When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Scoring in the NBA has gone up and up and up and up and up and up over the last couple decades here, Zaslo, and it seems like maybe there is no slowing it down, except for the NBA might actually want to at this point. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance flexes to fit your business's needs from quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options. Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. So that's Zaslo. He's filling in tonight for Ian. You can find him at Zaslow Show. You can find I'm me, there. Amber Wilson, as well at Amber W Sports. I'm there as well. And the NBA may not be there when it comes to this trajectory now of scoring in the NBA. The NBA is actually considering maybe that there might be rules changes that need to come in the future to try to curtail some of it. The committee, the uh, competition committee for the NBA, is actually looking into it, Zaz, because what they're thinking is maybe we've skewed things a little too much here over the last 15 years towards offense and that we need a little bit more balance in our game. Are you going to do the thing now where it, you, you let everybody know yes, and you, you make it sound like... You hate like, fun. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, you hate fun. Zaslo hates offense. He hates scoring. Uh, he's it's old and he wants NBA games to be fifty-five to fifty-nine. No, it's and not all true. of us would fall asleep. It's not true. But what is true is true. I would once in a while. Not every game needs to be in the one thirties and one forties. Once in a while, give me a game in the high nineties. All right. Once in a while, give me a game where we're locking down defensively, and every Boring. single possession in the fourth quarter is enormous. When games are being played at this pace and we're playing in the 130s, 140s, every possession is not as impactful. Every possession is not as important. When there's less scoring, each possession becomes more vital. That's all I'm saying. The games are not as exciting. Everybody wants points. The games are not as exciting when there's that many points. When points are harder to come by, they're more important. That's just logic. I'm logical. That's what I it's saw, about. No, you're not logical. I saw Max Struess last night when the Cleveland Cavaliers a put up a 121 points. I saw him hit a game-winning half-court shot. Zaslow, you know what that is? That's fun. That's awesome is what that is. That's scoring. That's offense. And that's a high-scoring game. And that possession still mattered as a buzzer beater. Offense is fun. I'm okay with once in a while – the game is slowed down, all right? And so it's it's not that I don't like fun. It's not that I don't like offense, but I can appreciate. And you know what? For football, too, I, I'll just tell you straight up. When there's a game, when they're scoring in the 40s, I hate it. What was it that one year? James would remember. It Was the, was it the Chiefs and Rams where it was Monday night football? And, and this, it was like uh, 50 to something or 40 something. Was it Chiefs and Rams? Am I yeah, remembering correctly? Was, yeah, it was supposed to be the Mexico City game, but then they moved it, had to move it because of the field conditions. But yeah, it was a shootout. It was either awful. It game. was a Monday. It was a Monday. Awful. Game. No, that awful was awesome. Game. 
awful game. It was amazing. Awful game. It was the best one of the best games ever. No. Awful yes, game. You, you got to play everything. a little bit of defense. They did. Can you make a stop? The Chiefs Just, scored on defense like twice. I don't like it. The, the defense that you're saying, the, the defense you're pointing out actually scored points. That's not the point you want to make there. I'm talking about stopping other teams from scoring. The defense you gave me still resulted in points. They did. They stopped them and scored at the same time. It was awesome. Well, I, they also, stopped, I mean, stopped them, I think, is relative in that, in that position. Uh, but... I don't understand why we go from one mindset of, hey, offense is where we need to put our attention because offense sells tickets. Offense is good for ratings. Offense is good for eyeballs. That makes everybody money in our sport. Offense, offense, offense. To now, all of a sudden, we're in a situation where we have a whole lot of amazing offense. People who can shoot from all over the court. It's the tough curries of the world out there practically shooting from the entire length of the court on any given night. And now we're like, wait a minute. Like, this has got too out of hand. Maybe we need a little defense in our lives. The, well, the rules do skew a certain way because the rules absolutely have favored offense here over the years. But the reason that they have Zazzle, and this is true with the NFL as well, the reason that we have gone that direction in sports is because, again, offense is really what typically brings in the money because we like fun. Most of us, under the age of 110, unlike you, most of us like fun. Well, but there ha- I'm not even going uh, I'm not even going to, to, to respond to that, to, to, to <laughs> dignify myself, to even respond to that claim right there. I'm just going to keep this well, I'm thing. not 110. <laughs> I'm just going to keep the conversation moving along then pay very much attention to what you just said there. But here's the thing. There haven't been any real rules changes in a long time to promote offense. The only thing – there were a while ago. They got away with the hand-checking, the, the forearm on the back, on the perimeter. That was a very big deal, all right? They've done things to speed up the game. Eight-second backcourt violation instead of ten-second backcourt violation. They've done things. But these changes happened a while ago. The only thing that has changed is really two things – the game is played at a much quicker pace now than it ever had been before. And the most notable effect in scoring has been that teams also got a little bit sm- – the players got more talented and teams yep. got better with math and realized three, better than two. More than and the two. more threes we shoot, the more points we're going to wind up getting in the very end. So with that said, I don't exactly know – how you curtail this potential problem, which, by the way, Amber, I don't even really think is a problem. I don't think, like, I don't like when the game's in the 140s and 130s, but I really don't believe this is a problem because when we get to the playoffs, this thing all slows down. You're not going to get any 130 games, none. It's all going to slow down. Every possession is going to be huge in the fourth quarter, just like I like it, but you're going to see. It, this is I, I, I think it's being blown a little bit out of proportion here. I think the way to, if, I guess if you wanted to curtail it, the way to curtail it would be to roll back some of those rules. So we're more like 90s basketball, 80s basketball, where it's more, it's a lot less. It, it, well, it, the physical contact is a lot more. Let's just put it that way. A lot less clean. So when it speak, used to be, you're saying. And a lot more physical. When it used to be, yeah. Well, so you could roll happen. back some of the, 
Right. And that's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen with today's athlete. Today's athlete's not going to go for that. Right. Because also that's going to promote injury and all that kind of stuff. And also we're working with a different skill set than we used to be. And it's a whole different game. I mean, the three point shot when it was introduced into the game in 1967, the commissioner at the time said it's going to give smaller players an opportunity. That was quite literally one of the purposes for introducing the three-point shot into the game. You fast forward from 1967 to 2024, and now you have dudes that are practically seven feet tall out there hitting three-point shots. Zaslow. So the game has changed, the athlete has changed, and everybody has realized the way to really score points and win games in the NBA. And that's all been part of it is a changing culture. But what's not actually the problem that people think is the problem is a lack of defense because it's not that the guys aren't out there playing defense because they sure as heck are. Now it's not as effective as it once were was because the offenses are so effective, but they're still trying. We had on Tim Bontemps yesterday because all of this, by the way, stems from an article on ESPN.com written by Kevin Pelton and Tim Bontemps, where that's where the champion, the uh, competition committee tells them that they're looking into this. So we had Tim Bontemps on the ESPN NBA reporter on Amber and Ian yesterday. And Ian asked him last night, is the issue that the players today don't give enough effort on the defensive end? Yeah, I think that's a pretty massive misnomer. I think if you go back and watch game, like, you know, if you go back and watch a game in the 80s or 90s, most of the guys on the court aren't moving a lot of the time. It's like there's one guy guarding somebody, and everybody else is kind of standing around relaxing until the ball gets swung to their defender. And if you watch an NBA game now, there are guys flying around trying to guard stuff all over the court throughout the entire game on every possession. And it requires a lot more energy and exertion to play an NBA game now than it did even 10 years ago, but especially 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I think a common refrain is to say, oh, well, these guys don't care. They don't really try on defense. But I think if you actually sit and watch a game, it just doesn't measure up that argument. He's uh, I mean, he's I agree a, with that. He's 100% right. The, the defense today is so much better and so much more sophisticated than it was you go back 20, 30 years ago, whatever. If you were to turn on NBA Classic and you watch one of those games in, in, in your golden era, you know, in the 80s, 80s NBA, you're going to be appalled, appalled at the lack of defense that's going on there. Because they used to score in the 130s and 140s when they weren't shooting as many threes. So let's just put it together right. here. What kind of awful defense was being played? What kind of offense was being allowed back then for them to score that much? No. The defense is as good as it's ever been, Amber. The only thing that I can come up with that would possibly curtail some of the scoring, you push the three-point line back. That's the only thing that I can come up with. Otherwise, Goodness. the game's played fast now, and dudes love shooting threes. I don't know what else can be done unless you, unless you, you, you pull back the three-point line. That's it. I feel I feel like you you pull it back and all that happens is the evolution of the player just gets better at wherever that is. I mean, I think, I, honestly, I feel like you could make it to a half-court shot and there will be players in the future that are able to do that because they spend their entire lives from the time they're little children working on that particular shot. It's just kind of how it is with the evolution of these athletes over time. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we're going to transition back to the NFL. We got the NFL PA report card grades. Who has the stinkiest bathrooms in the NFL? I know you've always wanted to have that information. We're going to give it to you next here on ESPN Radio. 
Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Stinky bathrooms. Having to pay to not share a room with a roommate. These are all things included in the NFLPA report that we just found out. Uh, was released here by the NFLPA where we found out that over 1,700 active NFL players graded teams based on all sorts of things. Facilities, locker rooms, family uh, facilities as well, or family yeah. help daycare, like whether I'm daycare interested. is available. That's something that, that kind of stuff. So, the, so they ranked everything. So we, we covered some of this, by the way, earlier in the show. If you miss anything here on Amber and Ian, with Zaslow filling in to, for Ian tonight, you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app. Basically, the bigger highlights from what we covered before, the Chiefs suck. Sorry, James Steele. Uh, yes, I get that they have a bunch of rings and all that jazz, and they're coming off of another one here in back-to-back Super Bowls. However, apparently, according to the guys who actually play in the NFL, they're kind of Fs across the board. So that was the biggest shocker here. One good thing about them, they got an A-plus with their head coach. Everything else that was is terrible. True. Andy Reid, everything else was terrible. Ownership was an F. Minus. Facilities were ownership an F. was an F-minus. Like, yeah, okay, ownership so, so ownership's an F minus, so though, because the ownership. Well, but that must be a result of like all the other things they got poor grade. So it's like that's on the owner, that's, so he yeah. gets an F, right? Yes, I believe yeah, so that. Reports, I believe that's the uh, yeah. The reports are that he had promised he was going to upgrade all these things yeah. coming off of yeah. all the Super Bowl success, and that then he just didn't. So they're saying, "Hey, you keep we keep winning you Super Bowls, and you're just pot- pocketing all that extra cash, and we're not seeing it when we show up to work." So they're extra angry because it sounds like the success, in other words, kind of coming back to bite him. Whereas if they were just a normal team, they'd probably be okay with their facilities, but because they've got three Super Bowls here in the last five years, they ain't okay with it. So there you go. That's the situation there with Kansas City. So that one was surprising. Some of them aren't surprising, like the commanders, obviously, are a mess across the board in these in these rankings. And obviously, we I think anyways, that's all going to change with the new ownership. But even sewage, there's reports apparently of sewage leaks in the bathrooms there yeah. for Washington. When it comes to the head coaches, Bill Belichick, the players reported that 55% of them felt that the former Patriots head coach was efficient with their time and that he was rarely though willing to listen to the locker room so he was very apparently quick with them not so personable not so willing to listen I don't know if that shocks anybody you guys want me four games what am I listening to you for that's that's, that's (laughs) Robert Kraft 
He also had some criticism here. The Patriots team owner, Belichick and Kraft, both ranked 27th in the NFL at their positions. That's interesting because Kraft is considered a very good owner. It was the investing in facilities, apparently, is part of the issue there with Robert Kraft right now. Former Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels, he was the lowest rated coach. Of all the Obviously, the they hated that him. His, his last moments with the team what was was an airing out session where the team lit him up right to his face, and then he got fired, and then the players are being asked to fill out a survey. Yeah, I'm sure he got an F. He was list- listed as the least likely to listen to his players. I feel like with all this stuff that's come out about McDaniel's, like I don't, I know he's young, but I don't see a way that he gets a, another chance, a third shot. Here Definitely as a head not. Coach in the NFL. Definitely, I feel not. like that time's over. Definitely not. Treatment of families. Zaslow, this is a big one. Yeah, I like this. The New York Jets, for example, they got a D minus grade because players were on. So players were unable to acquire such things as passes and field passes to hand out to their player to their families, but the Jets were very apparently willing to give those things to corporate partners. So the Jets players feel like they prioritized corporate partners far above players' families. The Cleveland Browns also had a D minus grade because apparently they set up their post game family meetup area in a tent in the parking lot. Which obviously <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio in December. Come on, come on! Not you gotta, so you gotta find a suite in the building. You gotta have a room for the family and the kids to get together. It can't be in, in a tent in the on on the on the asphalt in the parking lot. What are we doing? Apparently, the Browns early in the season did not allow players who had been carted off the field with significant injuries to contact their wives and loved ones from the locker room to let them know how they were doing. Yeah, it's it's like a game. You got to keep the family in the dark. Maybe maybe it's okay. Maybe you got to keep them guessing. I don't know. Oh my god! Uh, the daycare, uh, by the way, is a huge thing in the NFL. Which I mean, I I do love that that that's such a topic for these NFL. So players, what happens? Like during a game, there's daycare at some of these facilities where like the the mother and you know other family can watch the game, and small children are in no. in a daycare. No, it sounds like most of these teams have a, an off-site daycare. Like a, it, and, and maybe they have a relationship with a daycare. And so like, as oh, a company, like Monday through Friday. they provide daycare Monday through Friday oh, at, at an okay. off-site facility. And some NFL teams apparently include that um, as a perk, whereas cool. other NFL teams charge money for that. So the Chargers, apparently players have to pay $75 for one child, $50 per for each additional additional child to use the team's off-site daycare facility. <laughs> well, it's and here's more the expensive thing. in Tampa. The Bucks, and, and it's $90 per kid. Wow. Those two, those two teams rank low when it comes to how they treat families. Well, and here's the thing. You and I have talked about this before. The Chargers have a reputation of being very stingy with the money. All right. A very frugal they do. organization. They do. Although, although, can we say that now that they just hired Harbaugh? <laughs> Here's, here's my question. We, I would like to think that teams would pay for that. But if we're going to be fair, Amber, should every team be paying for childcare? I don't know. I don't know where you're going. I don't like, I don't no, no, like, I'm yes, asking everybody. like, like yes. regular jobs, yes. regular jobs, do yes. regular jobs. Yes. Pro- I would like for them to provide it. But is that a thing? It, now, we provide uh, child care here in the Zaslow Mansion, and I don't charge anyway because I, I, I work right here <laughs> out of the house. So, so I, I don't right. charge, all right? And we have a great facility here Gracious for the kids throughout the day. But do other jobs, do other workplaces, they, do they do free child care? 
I'm trying well, to be I fair. I do know, for example, I, I do know, for example, with Disney, because obviously ESPN's owned by Disney, I, as I understand it anyways, I don't have personal familiarity with this, but I believe that there are there is a daycare for Disney employees in Orlando, if you live in Orlando, well, that's which very most of awesome. us do not here at ESPN. Uh, and I, I think, I don't know, I think that there's some charge, yes, but it's much cheaper than other daycares. Yeah, so, $75 you know, a kid, I, $50 for any additional kid that the Chargers are charging, That that's, that's pretty, that sounds expensive to me, no? Well, is it? Well, I don't. Is it per day? I don't. I don't know what we're. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't exactly say. But ninety bucks a day from Tampa for a kid in Tampa. I live in the Tampa Bay area. I mean, daycares are expensive, but yeah, that seems pretty ridiculous. We are talking about multi-billion-dollar companies, essentially, right? And it would be nice if more companies in America provided access to daycare because the cost of daycare is unbelievably uh, hampering on on all of us who have children. Anyways, there's more to this though. Food, you would imagine, for NFL players is a thing, Zaslow. The cafeteria at the men. facility, right? Yes. The New Orleans Saints F grade because apparently they are wow. one of only two teams who do not provide their players three meals a day. The other team, also F grade, Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. The Bengals also got hosed for not doing this last year on this NFLPA report card. Yeah, and apparently they implemented it, but only on Wednesdays. What? That's got to be a big day in the cafeteria room Wednesday. You better get there early. That's a, it's a three-meal it day. Like Let's go. The least you can do here is provide – if you're going to make these guys be there, and, and a lot of these NFL guys, they yeah, get there trash. you know, as the sun goes up in the morning to facilities, and they that's really trash. are there sometimes all darn day when it comes to not just practice, but when it comes to all yeah, the rehab they're doing and everything else and their meeting rooms and everything else. These teams I mean, make so much be- money. Come on. That makes so much damn money. Like I, I, ESPN has all sorts of food available. To, like, yeah, you got to feed them, right? You got to make that available. Uh, and the Chiefs also, F grade there as well. Oh, Coming come up on. next year on Amber and Ian, should we expand the NCAA tournament? We'll get into that next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Caitlin Clark is trying to break another record. She could theoretically get it done tonight. Sure. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive. Jonathan Zaslow in for Ian tonight. That's Caitlin Clark. She was like, you know, the last record I broke when I became the all-time NCAA leading scorer for women's hoops. She's like, all right, that was so what, like last week? Yeah, <laughs> that's like, old news I got to break right another there. one here. That's old news right there. So now she's 50-some-odd points away from breaking the D1 record for basketball, which is men's and women's, by okay. the way. So she's coming for all the records in college basketball, the face of college basketball. Speaking of college basketball, Seth Greenberg, ESPN basketball analyst, kind enough to join us. And Seth, thanks so much for your time. Caitlin Clark, she's trying to make history once again. Do you expect that she, when she finishes his her, her career here at Iowa, do you think that she's just going to walk out of the building with all the records in the NCAA at this point? It's hard not to realize what she's been able to do. It's it's incredible. But not just, you know, everyone looks at the scoring. I look at the assists. I look at, you know, the type of player she is. But it looks like the type of teammate she is. She's like an all-world teammate. When she broke that record the other day, her teammates celebrated her and celebrated with her, which to me is just as impressive. But uh, she's an incredible player. It's so hard to compare her to Pistol Pete. I think, actually, her game is a lot like Pistol Pete, the flair that she plays with. But then we think about a pistol people put up those numbers in three years without a three-point line. Now, that's crazy. Seth, that's it's crazy. it's pretty wild, right, that we're in a place that the face of – I mean, unless you disagree with her being the face of college basketball, but it feels like the face of college basketball is a female player. That's I mean, it's pretty wild that that's where we're at right now. She's captured the imagination of, of, the, of the basketball fan. You know, it's bigger than male, female. It's bigger than gender. It's. I think, like I said, I compare. I I compare it to Pistol Pete. The flair that she plays with, the joy that she plays with, the the style of basketball she plays. Uh, she can put up forty four and not be selfish. She can put forty four and also put her teammates in position to score. Winning is important to her. The way she carries herself. Uh, she's been the story of college basketball thus far in a year that. Zach Eady's going to be Eady's going to be back to back Player of the Year. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Seth Greenberg joining us that. here on Amber and Ian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. Uh, Seth, I know we're we're normally talking about college basketball here, but you reminded me because you brought up Pistol Pete uh, and before the three point line, and we were talking about the three point line, the introduction of it in the NBA in the 1960s, and obviously since that time, things have really, really taken off. Particularly when teams realize that three is more than two. So now offense is at an all time high across the NBA, so much so that Tim Bontemps had an article yesterday that revealed that the NBA competition committee is looking into whether it's a problem at this point, that there's so much offense and so much scoring in the NBA. How do you feel about that maybe being considered a problem in basketball, generally speaking, since we are sort of living in this era of offense? Well, I mean, the freedom of movement is created and just the, the player's ability. Uh, you know, I call it the Steph Curry effect. I mean, his ability to you know, make the shots that he makes and everyone – tries to emulate you always try to emulate the players before you so these young players are all emulating staff and then what you put that with freedom of movement and it is really hard to guard it, i mean whether it's in college or in the nba points per game in college are way up points per game obviously in the nba are way up and we've got to kind of 
look at the NBA a little bit differently because once we get to the playoffs, those numbers are going to go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NBA, the first three quarters sometimes are a dance. Let's be be honest. Uh, but but when we get into the playoffs, it's a totally different game. It's officiated differently. It's more physical. Uh, you know, you just can't play 82 games the way as physical as you're going to play in the playoffs when you have series and you play a team, you know, five and six and potentially seven times in a row, and you you know what you're going to give, you know what you're going to take away. So, uh, I you know I don't think they can legislate it because they're not going to go back on freedom of movement. And if they don't go back on freedom of movement, uh, the players are just too good, the range is too good, the three point shot. Uh, coaches have learned to freeze layups and free throws, and everything's predicated on spacing. You have five guys that can step out and shoot the three. Why? Because you have five guys that can step out to shoot the three and four guys that can step out and shoot the three. It creates spacing. Spacing creates triple penetration, which creates one extra pass and open threes. So I don't think you can go back unless you let, you know, you allow the players to be more physical year round. Seth, when we get to this time of year, we're, we're about to hit March. And of course we know the tournament is right around the corner. Uh, Do coaches put, more of an emphasis late in the season on making sure they finish strong because they want to make sure they get, you know, the, the best seed possible once the tournament rolls around? Or do, do you try and keep it business as usual? Well, you want to win games because you, you want to feel good about your team coming into the end of the season. I mean, so, I mean, you want to go in on a high note. You want to have as good a seed as you can possibly have. You want to have enough wins to guarantee you're getting into the tournament. Uh, the biggest thing for coaches right now is they want to make sure that late-game situations, time score, uh, after timeouts, underneath out-of-bounds, offense and defensively, uh, the last four minutes of a game, uh, that you are really buttoned down. I mean, that's a big thing this time of the year. When you get the NCAA tournament, your second-round game, you're going to defend on principle. But when the game's on the line, when you have a more level playing field, you've got to steal baskets. That's the most important thing late season. How can I steal a basket? How can I stop my opponent from stealing a basket? So time score, first play of the game, first play of the half, coming out of timeouts, underneath side, dead ball inbounds. All the things that can get you beat in a possession game, you're really focusing on. Yeah, you, of course you want to win as many games as possible. You want to feel good about yourself. Only one team's going to win a conference tournament. You know that, but you don't want to get knocked out in the first round. Uh, people say, well, you get knocked out in the first round, you got time to rest. You want to keep your competitive spirit going, but you also want to have your team confident. So you want to win some games in the tournament. And let's face it, if they're going to give out a trophy, who doesn't want to win it? Yeah, no kidding. Seth Greenberg joining us. All those things that you just mentioned to me are are the beauty of March, Seth. But we have a colleague here at ESPN Radio named Hembo who floated this idea because apparently he thinks the tournament needs a revamp and he wants an expansion of it. He floated an idea of adding and making it 112 teams. So quite the expansion under Hembo's plan. But now there are other articles also exploring the idea of expansion from the 68. Does it need expansion, Seth? You know, Hembo's the man, by the way. He's more organized than crime. Uh, when, <laughs> when I look at this, look, college basketball, uh, in any business, I don't care if it's television business, I don't care if you're running a bank or, 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 or selling something, and own, whatever type of business you're in, if you're coaching, you got to have agility. Uh, because things are going to change. NBA came up with the midseason tournament. You know, college, uh, NFL came up with the wild card games. The NBA came up with the play-in games. So you've got to have agility. Uh, 
yeah, I think that we need that we're going to I think we're going to have expansion. I don't think that's even a debate. It's I think it'll be incrementally. I, I don't think it's going to go from, you know, 68 to 100. I think it might go from 68 to 74. And uh, then it might go up again. Remember, it started at 16. It went to 32. It went to 64. Then it went to 65. Now it's at 68. And so why are they why are they expanding the tournament? You know, financially, it's a reason. There's no doubt about it. There are more teams playing Division One basketball. And we're creating these mega conferences. Like in the next four or five years, we could have four conferences with 25 or 30 teams in and two divisions. Well, those conferences still can't you know, get the same number of teams. You're going to have to figure out a way because those, te- those conferences are going to be generating a lot of money. So you're going to have to find a way to expand the tournament. Uh whether it's and I don't call them playing games, it's the opening round. You're gonna probably have more teams playing, maybe four regions playing in that opening round to play into the field of sixty-four. Uh, but I do think there's gonna be some type of expansion, and the agility in any business is just part of you know continuing to to evolve and move forward. So it you know we 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 argue against it. I know Jay Billis, my good friend, you know said you know the NCAA you know once again showed their no, the NCAA is doing what most organizations and successful businesses do. Uh, with time, you've got to have agility. And, you know, you're not going to do it all at once, but you also have to do what's in the best interest of your enterprise. And eventually that's probably going to happen. Seth Greenberg here with us on Amber and Ian. Seth, we, we know who the great teams are. We know who the teams are at the top of the rankings. But uh, can, you, can you identify a couple teams that y- you could potentially see making a real run to the Final Four this year? Yeah, I'll give you a couple, you know, just kind of outside-the-box teams that I think could make a run. The SEC, Florida, not a lot of people talking about Florida. Offensively, they're, they are really, really good. Uh, they got two mid-major transfers in the backcourt, Zion Poland, Walter Clayton, who really shoot it. Tyree Samuel transfers from Seton Hall. He's a big physical front-court power forward, having a huge game tonight. Uh, I, I think that Florida is a team uh, coming out of the SEC – uh, is a team you might not want to see in your bracket. Uh, I think they're better than than people kind of realize, and I think they're a dangerous team. I think Illinois is a team, uh, even though they don't have a point guard, and that concerns me, I have to be honest with you, but they have matchup problems. Terrence Shannon's a matchup problem. Marcus Damask is a matchup problem. I think Coleman Hawkins is a matchup problem. And then you start, you got to look at teams that, you know, in a quick turnaround, uh, you know, big big thing about teams that advance in the tournament veterans but also a hard preparation who plays a style of basketball that like in a quick turnaround you're going to have a hard time preparing for you know i mean like you know a team that you say you know what you know what is this going to team like you know marquette fits into that style because they run that half court havoc now they're a high highly rated team uh kentucky would be a problem I and mean, kentucky is going to be a five seed their talent you did you guys watch the Kentucky game last night yes if 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 you watched it end of the game Kentucky remember they got punched in the face at the beginning of the game last time they got punched in the face like that was Tennessee a couple of weeks ago three weeks ago and they did not respond Mississippi State on the road punched him in the face all right they grinded their way back they grinded their way back but something happened at the end of that game that really resonated with me as a coach Reed Shepard made that shot. Hubbard made a big-time shot. Reed Shepard made that shot. Look at the bench throughout that game. Look how they celebrate each other. 
One night it could be Antonio Reeves. One night it could be Reed Shepard. That night it could be uh, Ogana Nesu. One night it could be Trey Mitchell. One night it could be Rob Dillingham. They've got a collective responsibility going on with such a young team with so many you know, highly recognized players. That really resonated with me. And like, you know, you sit there and watch that and you say, you know what, this team, yeah, they, they got to defend better. They got to keep the ball in front. They got to clean up their ball screen. But they're going to get 90 points. If they can clean that up just a little bit more, just a little bit more, I think that that's a team that that can make a, a deep run. Iowa State's a team that can make a run. Uh, they're, they're like a Houston 1.0. Uh, they, they're very similar to Houston. They turn you over. They rebound the ball. Their guard plays good. Uh, but I'd keep an eye on those SEC teams. Those top five or six teams in the SEC, keep an eye on those teams because the SEC is better than people realize. Well, you're talking to two Gators here, Seth, so you just yes. made us both very, very happy. Yes. Oh, ESPN wow. basketball. Yep, uh, both of us, both of us <laughs> Gator grads. ESPN, yep, uh, ESPN, you're playing your crowd here. ESPN basketball <laughs> analyst Seth Greenberg. Thanks, Seth. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> oh, the, the smile on Amber's face when, when Coach I said pumped, there, I did the, arm pump, the Gators the are a team. Yep, oh, the smile, the fist bump, just, uh, I mean, from cheek to cheek, that smile way into it she loved it loved it coming up next year on amber and ian with gator jonathan zasler filling in for ian tonight mel put out his mock 2.0 today we'll get into that next year on espn radio 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify <laughs> shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/network. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is one of the most important weeks on the NFL draft calendar. It is Combine Week in Indianapolis, Indiana. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Zaslow filling in for Ian yeah. tonight. So on Combine Week, we get Mel Kuyper's Mock 2.0, Jonathan Zaslow, the second edition, if you will. And the difference between 1.0 and 2.0 
Ain't a ton yet. However, the Kansas City Chiefs did win the Super Bowl between 1.0 and 2.0. So that mm-hmm. does help him solidify. Okay, James. Who won? Uh, Who was it again? That, uh, Everybody right. knows. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate that. And our live studio audience. Uh, Yeah, that helped him solidify the draft order, of course. Not much else has changed because the biggest question in the draft is going to be what the heck are the Chicago Bears doing with the number one overall pick? And frankly, we don't have any more indication today on February 28th, despite the fact that it's combine week, all the executives are in Indianapolis. We have heard from the Bears executives and we still have zero idea from Ryan Poles what they're doing. Uh, well, I mean, as look, well, we I, I think we know. I think we know what they're doing. OK, we know they're we keeping do? the pick. Yeah, we know they're trading Justin Fields. It's a matter of when, you know, when they're going to get an offer for Justin Fields that they like. There's no way. Amber, you can't go back-to-back years. Justin Fields may be a good quarterback, but we really don't know at this point. And if we don't know for sure, you can't go two consecutive years passing on the number one overall pick. Now, yes, last year was hindsight that C.J. Stroud would have been the guy to take. We have the benefit of that hindsight now. But still, that is what happened. And this year... Caleb Williams, you can't do that if you're Chicago. They're waiting on the best offer for Fields, Amber. Come on. You you know what you also can't do? You can't trade away Justin Fields, and then he ends up being a C.J. Stroud somewhere else, and Caleb Williams doesn't pan out there in Chicago. Like, that also can't happen. So, frankly, any scenario that happens here, this is such a big decision for the Bears. They have to get it right. But one of the things that I'm not sure people have been considering, Zazzle, is yes, they were in the same situation last year, which is highly unusual. They are in it once again. So I tend to agree with you. Like, it stands to reason, hey, they're not going to pass it up once again. However, theoretically speaking, if they did pass it up once again and rocked with Justin Fields this next season, in passing it up, they would get so much draft stock in return that you could see a world where then next draft – They can also use all that draft stock to, you know, trade up to take a quarterback. So they could theoretically find themselves at at the top of the next draft, even if they have a better season next season. And if Justin Fields ain't it, they wouldn't have a much better season anyways. I know. I Like, yes, everything you just said is true. But you're – and I hate the term generational quarterback. Like, no one was saying that last year, even though we all pretty much knew Bryce Young was going to be number one overall. Nobody was saying that last year. This year they're calling Caleb Williams – a generational quarterback, and it's not just Caleb Williams. It's a super heavy quarterback draft. We're all assuming the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks, and, you know, Mel came out with 2.0, and you got Jaden Daniels, number two to Washington. You got Drake May, number three to New England. You can't pass on one year. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, they passed on C.J. Stroud, and now this year going into it, we have that tag, that generational quarterback is available at the top of the draft. You, you just and, and, hey, it's their job. It's Ryan Pohl's job to get it right. You're right. What would it look like if they select Caleb Williams and maybe he suffers from the same issues that Justin Fields is suffering from in Chicago and wherever they send Justin Fields to, he winds up flourishing. It's their job to get it right. Because you're bringing in Caleb Williams with theoretically a lame duck coach, right? I mean, we don't think that that coach will be 
that Eberflus will be around much longer if things don't go well with Caleb pretty quickly. So then you're bringing in a quarterback to a situation where you could be immediately having a regime change, and that never goes well for a young quarterback that you're trying to develop. So there are theoretically problems, which is why the ideas floated out there. Hey, they actually could rock with Justin Fields one more season. And, and allow Fields and Eberflus's contracts to essentially rely on one another. There's a lot of different ways they could cut it. I also think in a normal year, you could even trade back one or two spots because this is a very deep draft class in terms of the quarterback position. So if you thought, hey, Jaden Daniels is great or Drake May is great, let's go ahead and get a pile in return, trade back a couple spots, still get one of those guys if you felt confident to it. The thing is, I feel like this year you can't consider that option. And the yeah. reason you can't, isn't even because I'm convinced Caleb Williams is so good. I frankly don't know. We don't know. These guys have a 50% hit rate at the top three picks in the draft, right? None of us know. However, it's all the hype around him. Like, I feel like at least if you swing and miss on Caleb Williams, it's like, all right, well, everyone swung and miss on that dude. That dude was supposed to be the next coming. (laughs) But if you trade back, then you miss on him. Yeah, like, you're totally smartest guy in the room if you decide, you know what, Caleb Williams is really good, but... I'm trading down and I'm taking Drake May at number three because I think he's also good. You can't play the role of smartest guy in the room. This is not the time or place to do that. I don't think there's going to be as much criticism as for, say, the Panthers who maybe look like they took the wrong guy with Bryce Young and the jury's still out on that. I'm just saying right now what the analysis is because obviously it looks like the Texans hit on CJ so much. I think when you're talking about a guy like Caleb Williams with the narrative around him, if they miss on him, everybody will have missed on him. Like so if Caleb Williams is not good, but Jaden Daniels is, will there be criticism on Chicago? That's what you're asking? Right. Right. And I, I, and there I would say there would be very, very little. Very little. There, there should be very, very little if we're all honest with ourselves because nobody's really screaming for that. Now we'll see what it actually looks like in real time if, in fact, that scenario presents itself. But the reality is everyone else is saying that Ryan pulls this is a, a no-brainer of who you draft for that number one overall pick. Coming up next, we're going to find out what's a big deal and what's not a big deal. Yes.